Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers Howell. Now, what is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. This week, we're brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. Who do we have on the show today? Today, we have Susanna Rivera-Mills, the provost of Ball State University. We're supported today by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. What do they have coming up? A two-part virtual workshop. Another two-parter? A two-parter. Now, who's doing this one? This is Heidi Simpson. She is a globally certified professional certified coach. I've heard her speak before, and she is very good. Okay. So, she's going to be talking about pivoting in the face of adversity. Pivot, pivot, pivot. (laughs) You don't know what that is, do you? Oh, I've seen the clip. It's a Friends reference. Uh. (laughs) Well, this is going to be on Wednesday, January 27th, and Thursday, January 28th, from 2 to 3.30 each day, and it's all virtual, so fire up your computer and join. Life and business can change fast, whether you're ready or not. I think we can all say that we have learned that in this past, like, year Year? or so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Learning to successfully pivot and embrace a new path all boils down to mindset. This workshop utilizes simple tools to overcome obstacles so participants can make progress forward, all while minimizing the stress involved. Well, it sounds very interesting. When's it going to happen again? Wednesday, January 27th, and Thursday, January 28th, from 2 to 3.30. You can learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Today in the studio, we have Susanna Rivera-Mills, provost of Ball State University. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. No problem. Thanks for coming by. Well, tell us all about yourself. We don't know much. Well, uh, <laughs> there's there's actually a lot to tell, believe it or not. Um, I have been here in Indiana for almost three years okay. now. This is my third year. Came here because of Ball State and all the impressive things that were happening at the time. Was also attracted to our community in Muncie because of all the changes that I was seeing and the potential and how exciting it was to begin to reimagine our community. So most recently, I uh, was in Oregon where I was at Oregon State University and served there for over 10 years. Okay. So before that, I was in Arizona. I actually went to college in Iowa. So this is a little bit about coming back to the Midwest Mm -hmm. in many ways. And I'm originally from El Salvador and immigrated when I was 12 years old because of the Civil War. Uh, We lived in California. I went to high school in California. uh, And that's, you know, kind of in a nutshell uh, where I've been. All over the place, it Mm -hmm. sounds like. Excellent. Well, well, tell us about that that interesting time, being 11 years old and and coming to America. Yes. What what would that be like? It was challenging. Uh, I don't think that my family had really thought about living in another country. I'm not sure many families think, you know, I'm going to move to a different country necessarily. But it was a very violent time in El Salvador. And it was very dangerous. And it got to the point where, you know, we just didn't know day to day what was going to happen. My parents were very fearful that something would happen to my brothers and sisters um, and, and myself, obviously. And 
there were days when they would drop me off at school and you really didn't know if they were going to be able to pick me up at the end of the day. So because of all the violence, we had some family that had immigrated in the 1940s and they had lived and established themselves in San Francisco. And so that was our contact point. And we decided to just get in the car, literally, and we drove from El Salvador through Guatemala, through Mexico, up through Arizona. Yes. Sounds like quite a trip. Do you remember the trip? I do. I do very much. Um, We were in a hurry. So I remember it took about seven days and nights of driving uh, pretty much nonstop. Uh, At the time, uh, I was young enough that I didn't fully understand the why. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents just kept saying, we're going to go visit your aunts and uncles in San Francisco. So I think in in my own child's mind, I thought, oh, this is a vacation. This is great. We're going to go. And so, you know, it was interesting. I remember seeing Mexico for the first time. And, and of course, when you take a road trip, you get to see so much of it. Oh, yeah. And you get to stop and meet the people. And we had so many wonderful interactions of people that were so kind that, you know, we would get lost and they would get us back on track. Or we would stop at a small restaurant and, and meet the owners and other people that were there. So I really remember those interactions with people that were different Mm -hmm. than I was. Um, We were very fortunate that obviously we all spoke Spanish. And then we got to the U.S. and none of us spoke English. So that was a big challenge. Uh, We rely a lot on the family that was here. Uh, Initially, we thought that this was going to be very temporary that we would return and we would you know, continue with our lives in El Salvador, the war would be over. But that was a very, very long war. And we soon realized that that wasn't going to happen. So my parents uh, quickly moved to finding jobs uh, where they could work uh, and make a living. Uh, I was placed in school uh, and I had to figure out how to learn English. This was before dual immersion, right. before our ESL <laughs> programs. So I remember learning English for me was literally being sent to a room in the back with the old-fashioned um, kind of cards that had a tape at the bottom, and mm-hmm. you would swipe them on this machine, and the machine would literally pronounce the picture that was on the card for you, and you had to repeat after them. Oh, okay. Okay. So despite the fact that I'm a linguist, I will tell you that it's a mystery to me how I ever learned to speak English <laughs> using that kind of uh, approach. But I think that as a child, of course, you really want to fit in. And the motivation to fit in and to not be different yeah. was strong enough that it really helped me become fluent in English within a year. Wow. And so, so that was very powerful. So what drew you to academia? You know, um, I think during my school years, particularly, I realized that some of the most influential people in my life were my teachers. I always had what I called my guardian angel, a particular teacher that for whatever reason uh, connected with me. In my case, they happened to be two Latino teachers. My math teacher in junior high, I remember him, Rudy Diaz. He just passed away a couple years ago, actually. And he really helped me to just love math. And he uh, was there for me. And, you know, I wasn't really the the popular child. I didn't have a lot of friends. So I was really more about academic performance and connecting with my teachers. And then in high school, it was Lucy Quimby. She was a Spanish high school teacher. She was from Colombia. And she was that teacher that was always in her room during lunch. So I would always go and eat lunch because she provided that safe space. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that would have conversations with me. And before I even knew it, you know, now looking back, I realized how powerful those conversations were. At the time, she would say, you know, Susana, what do you want to do when you go to college? You know, what would you like to study when you go to college? And it was always 
when you go right. to college. It not was never it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And that really planted that seed in my mind because my parents are not college graduates. I'm a first-generation college student. So for me, it was never, there was never a question. Mm-hmm. And it was thanks to teachers like her that bothered to have that time and conversation and helped me imagine what was possible. Now tell me what a provost does. <laughs> <laughs> that was not going to be my question too, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it, but it's funny because I ask that to our students. You know, Whenever I go to orientation or see some of our new students, I introduce myself as the provost and I say, by the way, here's the extra credit. What is a provost? What does a provost do? <laughs> so my title has two parts. It has provost and executive vice president for academic affairs. So the executive vice president for academic affairs is really charged with making sure that our academic programs are doing what they are supposed to do, that we're offering the right programs, that students are succeeding in those classes, that we're supporting our professors to do the best job that they can, and that all of the requirements for a degree are in place, and that we're meeting national requirements and everything else. Uh, The provost part really is more institutional. It's really about running the internal operations of the university and making sure that everything is going according to plan. Our president, President Mearns, really is more of the public figure of the university, very engaged with the community, uh, very outward focus. I would be the inward focus part of the work that he does. Does that help? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's a tricky tricky word. What do you find most satisfying about your job? I love being able to give people opportunities to really change their lives. Uh, You know, for me, education was transformational. I mean, from the moment I think I was in elementary school through high school and certainly in college, it just opened so many doors for me and for my family because it allowed me to help my parents financially in a way that I would not have been able to. And I had some barriers to deal with, so I think what I love is being able to look at what are some of the barriers that maybe we're not even aware are in the way of people succeeding And how can I, from my position, eliminate them or at least decrease them so that people can have the same success or more that I have had with less barriers, with less challenges? So whenever I see something working the way it should, whenever I see someone gaining insight that they would have never thought of before, or whenever I see somebody experience what I experienced with my Spanish teacher and think about, wow, that's something I had never thought about doing and find their potential, that gives me incredible satisfaction. So I have to ask, you've been here three years. What attracted you to Muncie? Initially, it was Ball State. And it it was uh, my conversations with the president, his vision, about how a university could partner with a community. I have always thought about education as being for the public good. And I think that in many ways, there are many universities that unfortunately have become very selective. And so there's always been this town and gown tension, right? And when I spoke to the president and I heard his vision, it was different. I didn't sense that tension. And I sensed a real possibility for a university to play the role that I imagine it should. And that is to really be a great partner to the community and to leverage its expertise and its resources to help the community that it serves. And I think the best example of us being able to do that was in the partnership with the Muncie Community Schools. Mm -hmm. And what we've been able to do and how we've been able to work so closely with our school district. And so I thought, you know, this is what I have prepared for my entire life. This is what I have been looking for. And the fact that there is a university that clearly understands its role was very attractive to me. 
and to be able to be part again, not just of Ball State, but then when I came here for the actual physical interview, to really see that the community also embraced the university as a resource uh, for them. That was important to me. So tell me, what do you like to do for fun? What do I like to do for fun? So interestingly enough, COVID has opened up some new opportunities okay. <laughs> just because, um, you know, we're so limited in terms of what we can do that I've been looking at, well, what can I do that's different? So I enjoy, first of all, I love music. Uh, I grew up with tons of music in my home and I love listening to music. So for me, listening to music, you will rarely find me in a room where music isn't playing, whether I'm at work or home or anywhere else. I like reading, and so I have really taken advantage of reading a lot of different kinds of books, a lot of different articles, short stories. You know, again, I, I especially like autobiography, nonfiction. I learn a lot from other people's lives. Um, I also love biking. So as soon as the weather turns a little warmer than it is now. <laughs> Maybe not right now. Not yeah. right now. Um, our Cardinal Greenway is wonderful. And I think in the time that I've been here, my husband and I have been able to ride the whole thing, not at once, <laughs> but uh, I think our our record right now is we have been able to ride about 50 miles in one day. Wow. So we're only short about 14, 15 miles from doing the whole thing. Okay. So we really like to, to get out and hike and check out some of the parks that are around here. I also like finding new communities and learning about them. So the first year I was here, we kind of decided that we were going to do a small tour of Indiana. And we were able to go to places like Shipshawana, mm -hmm. which I had never been to, um, to areas like Fort Wayne or even smaller areas like um, Fairmont, where we have mm -hmm. the... James, uh, James Dean, Dean is, yep. yes. Uh -huh. So I love just small towns that, and, and then finding the uniqueness, right, of, of those towns. You're in the right place for small towns. I know, <laughs> I know. It's been fun, and I look forward to a time when we can, you know, resume kind of our exploration mm -hmm. of those small towns. And then we have two dogs, so I love playing with the dogs. I'm a, I'm a homebody, okay. really, and so cooking. Oh, I love cooking. Love food, love cooking. Uh, so all those things are okay. a part of what I like to do. Thanks. Now, you mentioned uh, COVID. How has that affected your position there at Ball State? A lot. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I have learned that there is a significant difference between being able to sit across somebody and look at them in the eye, even with a mask, mm -hmm. <laughs> and have a conversation and have that connection. And I think the first year I was here, I was very intentional about touring the campus, visiting every department, getting to know faculty, getting to know employees across campus. And every year, my hope was to continue to do that. I think that there's part of me that just has felt a little disconnected. You know, of course, there's still a lot of communication. We have virtual meetings and Zoom. They're shorter, though. They are shorter. <laughs> and they're different. And they it's are not different. the same as sitting across the table it's from not. somebody. And, and I think that we miss out on some of those water cooler conversations mm -hmm. that happen, mm -hmm. the spontaneity of conversations. And sometimes you find the most interesting facts in those, you know, spontaneous encounters. So though that I miss. I also miss being able to mark certain times of the year with celebrations. So the fact that we would have holiday parties, mm -hmm. the fact that we would have, you know, inaugurations or open houses or, I don't know, groundbreakings, all those things haven't quite been a part of what we do. And I think that that affects a sense of community. So we've tried very hard, you know, to use 
technology as best as we can to keep people connected, keep them informed. But it is different, and I do look forward to being able to resume some of those activities uh, in the near future. Mm -hmm. Now, the university in the past three years, the landscape has changed dramatically yes. with all the new buildings and things like that. Can yes. you talk about that a little bit, being a part of that, that pro it progression? It has been exciting. You know, I have to mention another thing that attracted me to Indiana as a state is the fact that the state of Indiana has been such a great supporter of education. And so, you know, I have lived lived in, in many states where unfortunately that has not been the case. There has been significant decrease and certainly um, in previous states, uh, you know, we would have never dreamt that the state would support buildings mm -hmm. uh, in any way. And so the fact that the state has been so generous and so supportive of our facilities and we have state-of-the-art facilities for our students and our faculty to teach in. It has been exciting. Uh, as you know, one of the most recent buildings that's still to be completed is our foundational sciences building. It is exciting to see what will happen there and the types of learning that can happen there. We're really excited about our multicultural center, uh, which hopefully will be completed later this spring. And to have a place where people can gather from diverse backgrounds and diverse cultures and the fact that it's in the center and we're creating this beautiful mall that will be part of that multicultural center and that will connect us to uh, Muncie better and welcome the community, I think, in a more open way. And we just received this wonderful gift for an amphitheater where we'll be able, again, to have these partnerships with the arts community. And I can just visualize, right, having wonderful groups of people sitting in on the grass and listening to uh, music or looking at theater, whatever that might be. So I think there's lots of exciting opportunities there to use those spaces in really creative ways. What's something you wish you had known when you were first starting out? One of the things I wished I had known is, and maybe I knew this, but I didn't really process it. Change happens. Change will happen. It is inevitable. I think that when we are younger, we stress so much over the decisions that we make because we think they're so permanent, right? Every decision, what am I going to study? Or what's my first job going to be? Or, you know, where should I live? And you think of these decisions as being so permanent. And as you grow older, you realize that's not true. You know, things change. You can actually change your mind. You can even make a mistake <laughs> and recover from that, right? And if you can have that perspective of being flexible and being adaptable and actually looking at change as providing opportunities that you may not otherwise have thought of, it will lead you toward a life that you can't even imagine. And so that's exciting. And I think it would have been great if I had truly understood that, because then I could have been very intentional with many of the decisions. And I think it took me some years to get to the point where I could say, you know, since things are going to change anyway, how can I take advantage <laughs> of what's presented before me uh, in a better way? And now it's time for the lightning round. Quick questions and quick answers. So, All right. number one question: What's your favorite band or artist? Santana. Now, have you seen him live? I know, not yet. Not yet. And no, wait. I now have to tell you, they were supposed to be in indie last June on my birthday. Oh my god! And then COVID happened. <laughs> That's the worst COVID story that ever. I know, I know. So <laughs> they're on, on my list. I mean, they just ruined my birthday. Yeah. Are you an early bird or a night owl? 
neither. Okay. I'm a 10 to 3. <laughs> I am too. I feel you. I'm middle of the road kind of person. What's your favorite book? Wow. That's, I read so many books. Okay, I have it. It's going to surprise you. It's a children's book. It's called Pete and Pickles. Okay. The best book ever. <laughs> ever. You must read it. Okay. Well, we've we got a seven-year-old. I'll have to look it up and read it to her. Have you ever met anyone famous? Yes. <laughs> when I was a teenager in California, Scott Bale. Oh, my goodness. I dare anybody to even know who he is. <laughs> I know. Oh, we know. We know who that is. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Our younger good. listeners may not know who Happy days, baby. Exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yes. What was it, Joni and Chachi? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so where'd, where'd you meet him at? California at a mall. At a mall. Yes. Okay, a very mall cool. tour. Yes. What's your guilty pleasure? Coffee. Love coffee. As I get older, it's a little rougher on the system, mm -hmm. but boy, I still have to find a couple cups a week. What's your favorite movie? Princess Bride. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good one. Absolutely. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. What's your hidden talent? I discovered this because of the pandemic. I've started to take up painting. Oh. To my surprise, I'm actually pretty good at it. So I've been doing oil on canvas, and I've been taking advantage of the Bob Ross Experience. experience so that's been great do you sing in the shower no i do in the car okay star wars or star trek star trek oh star oh. trek please right. i'm a trekkie oh, you're a trekkie okay. okay didn't even have to think <laughs> no what's the most used emoji on your phone the big smiling face well thank you so much for being our guest today really appreciate you coming in thank you so much to you too thanks for stopping by the farmhouse bye bye-bye Well, a new year and new projects for Farmhouse Creative. It is, yes. And we just pulled off uh, a really fun one. A really fun one and something different that we don't always do. In our spot for Schaefer Leadership, we talked yeah. about pivoting in the face of adversity. Everybody's businesses have pivoted. And not that we have stopped doing anything that we've done before, but we've started doing some new things that we haven't always done. That is true. I'm not doing just websites. I'm uh, engaging in a lot of photography. We're doing some Facebook Live videos for people. I got a little apparatus that... Uh, I know. We got all kinds of fancy equipment and stuff. Well, maybe not fancy, but we have equipment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we just did a project for... For the mission. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. We produced a video for with a lot of help. I mean, it was a collaborative effort. <laughs> Very collaborative effort. We put together this video to promote the week of walking for the mission. Yeah, the, the virtual. The Muncie mission. Yeah, the virtual walk week for the Muncie mission. Of course, they've had to pivot, and they had this big event every year. Uh, it was a Saturday. You right. walk thousands of people a mile show up in their shoes, and it, it was a very big fundraiser. Well, of course, this year you can't have big events. Right, we're not going to have thousands of people pack the. Uh, Field house. Field house and all of that. So we, they needed a way to figure out how to pivot. And we were like, well, we can help you do that. So we helped write some lyrics. Yes, a parody song yeah. to the Proclaimers 500 Miles. Because yeah. their goal this year is to walk, what, 1,000 miles. miles. Yeah. We will so, walk 500 miles and then we will walk 500 more. There you go. <laughs> and we wrote these lyrics or we had some help. But, we had uh, some help, but... 
me and Amy, we wrote these lyrics, and Bob Scott, he yep. uh, he added some. He tweaked them a little after that. <laughs> and we we went out. We shot this video with uh, Mikey's help. Yep, Orange Wave Productions. We shot at the mission, and all over, we had Frank running on a treadmill and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and we then used our feet. In, yeah, yeah. In if you look frame. close, you'll see our feet. <laughs> Our shoes. Our shoes. Uh, and uh, we actually recorded the music and everything, too. Right here in the same studio we're recording this Absolutely. Podcast. And we had Ashton Freeman, who helps us out at the Civic with a lot of stuff. He helped us with the guitar. And if you listen closely, you might hear my vocals in the background. In the background. <laughs> And of anyway. course, Ashton is a wedding DJ, just like myself. That's so we true. pass a lot of business back and forth. If I can't do a gig, he may uh, have a date open. So I and, pass it on yeah, to him. And vice versa and all of that. So anyway, it was just a really cool way, something different. And it happened in two weeks. Yeah, we did it super fast. Two <laughs> Super fast. Super, super fast. fast. So I'm, I don't know. This isn't a plug. F- this is not a commercial for the mission or anything like that. We're just very proud that we were able to turn this project around. It's fun. It's engaging. Yeah. Check it out. And like creativity, like being able to do creative things that aren't exactly the thing we do all the time. But I'm especially proud because this turned into my baby for whatever reason. Oh, yes. I gave it to you because... Because you're busy doing a million other things. I know. I'm busy doing those websites. And yeah, you just took over and it's been great. You and Amy have just done a phenomenal job with it. Well, thank you. But I mean, you know, as with all creative projects, there are ups and downs. And one day I was like, this project is so great. It's amazing. And the next day I'm like, this project is hard and I don't like it. Um, But it all came together in the end and I'm very pleased with it. Now, can you listen to that song anymore? No, I never want to hear that song again. She just posted the video like seconds ago when we recorded this podcast and she had to listen to it at least 20 times. Oh, probably. Well, and I was putting the... Because I'm extra in everything that I do. I was like, okay, now we're posting this to Facebook. It probably needs closed captions, right? And of course... Facebook tries to do it on their own, but they don't do a good job. They don't do a good job. So I'm in there like moving stuff around and making sure we have it right on the right beats and stuff. And I'm sick of hearing that song. (laughs) (laughs) So check it out. And of course, participate in the walk week. Yes, absolutely. Register a team. Go to uh, munciemission.org slash walk. Yep. It's walk week is February 8th through the 13th. Check it out. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Check them out at schaeferleadership.com. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week and find out who has gone boss.